Welcome. My name is Caleb, and you are listening to the Vitamin C Podcast. Well, boy, have I got a movie to talk about today. So, here's the thing. Some people may know that I'm a pretty big fan of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I watched the cartoon as a kid. I watched the live-action movies as a kid, especially Secret of the Ooze, which is kind of odd because Secret of the Ooze is considered to be, like, not good. And even as a kid, I feel like I kind of knew that it wasn't good, but I just liked watching it. And I don't really remember why, because I know that my mom hated the movie. But I always watched Secret of the Ooze instead of the first movie. Doesn't really make sense to me when I think about it, but that was just what I did. And then years later, they came out with the movie TMNT, and it was an animated Ninja Turtles movie. And it didn't get the best reviews, and to my knowledge, it didn't do that well at the box office, but I'm going to be honest, I loved that movie. I wasn't able to see it in theaters because, you know, growing up, I only saw one or two movies in theaters in a whole year, and I wasn't about to be taken to see TMNT especially considering it wasn't that well-received. Nobody really talked about it when it came out. But then we watched it at my uncle's house, and he gave it to us to borrow so that we could watch it. And I kid you not, I watched that movie almost every single day for I don't know how long. And when I say every day, I mean I was watching it like crazy. I actually have this cousin who would go through these phases when he was a young kid where he'd become absolutely obsessed with different movies for maybe a month at a time. It would be one month it's Madagascar, next month it was Cars, maybe longer than a month, mind you. This was maybe three-month cycles. And it was, oh, Cars, I love Cars. And he would watch Cars over and over again, and he would collect Hot Wheels cars and all that and just loved Cars. And then he got obsessed with dinosaurs. Then he's watching whatever dinosaur movies he can, and then he's collecting all this dinosaur stuff. And... Then he becomes obsessed with African animals like lions and giraffes. And then he would get all those little collectible action figures or whatever you would call them of those little animals. But that was me with the Ninja Turtles. And even as a grown man, I still like the Ninja Turtles because years later, it was towards the end of my time in high school or maybe it was the summer after I graduated now that I think about it that they released a Ninja Turtles movie. It was a Nickelodeon-produced one, but the notable name attached to the movie was Michael Bay. So he did not direct it, but he produced the movie. And because of that, it got bad reviews. And I say because of that because I truly believe that it would have been reviewed much kinder if his name was not attached to it. I truly believe that because it's a perfectly fun movie and I know a million kids that loved that movie because the year it came out, I was actually working at an elementary school and every kid had a Ninja Turtles backpack or t-shirt. All the kids talked about the Ninja Turtles. They love the Ninja Turtles movie, okay? And typically movies that aren't that good but that kids love don't get bombarded by critics the way that that movie did. The stuff they said about that movie was nasty, quite frankly. And hey, you know what? I watched it much later and I really liked it. It's not a great movie necessarily and there are definite issues with the movie But it's a fun movie. It's a fun time. And honestly, I feel like it gets the characters right. 
despite the fact people pretend it was this weird, dark, edgy movie, which it was not at all. The only thing that people cling to to make that case is the fact that the Ninja Turtles look less like Ninja Turtles and more like big mutant alien things. But to me, they look like the Ninja Turtles. I mean, they're just way bigger than you're used to seeing them. Really big and bulky and almost monstrous looking. But I thought that was cool. And I thought that they got their personalities good. I mean, my only other complaint would just be the fact that Donatello has the most dorky, nerdy voice of all time in that movie. And Donatello was my favorite Ninja Turtle growing up. Because I mentioned, I liked the old live action movies. I also had the animated series and I would watch it all the time. But Donatello was my favorite. Actually, between me and my siblings, we all had our own favorite Ninja Turtle. And mine was Donatello. But in the Michael Bay produced Ninja Turtles movies, the voice actor they got for him, I don't even remember who it was, but he has the dorkiest voice ever and I cannot stand it. It drives me insane. It's so nerdy. And I get it. Donatello is the smart one. He's the nerdy guy. But you didn't have to give him that voice. He could have been the smart nerdy guy without the stereotypical nerd nasally voice that they gave him. But anyway, I thought that the first movie was fun and I thought the second movie was fun too. And the second movie was received a little bit better because they said, oh, it wasn't as dark and edgy as the first one. They actually tried to make a fun movie for kids. And really, they feel like they're the same to me in how they were made. The difference in the second movie is that the third act takes place during broad daylight on a rooftop. So it's not at nighttime. And I got to be honest, man. I don't understand people's obsession with having fights during the day in third acts of movies because that is a big thing. Anytime you see someone say that a movie was dark in some way or more serious, it's because the third act takes place at night. And that's really all there is to it. I see it all the time where people say that and it forces some people making blockbusters to say, well, we got to at least have one big action scene during the day. That way, nobody accuses this of being a dark movie. That's why Captain America Winter Soldier and Captain America Civil War, everything happens during the day in those movies pretty much. The big airport fight scene in Captain America Civil War, they shot it in broad daylight. It's a hideous scene for that reason, and for other reasons I guess, but one of the main reasons is it's during daytime. Everything's concrete. It looks ugly. It would have looked way cooler at night, but they didn't want to be accused of doing what DC was doing and making quote-unquote dark movies. Like quite literally, it's funny because they say dark and they mean dark in tone and themes and stuff, but really subconsciously, they just mean visually dark. I think visually dark can be cool. I like when third acts take place at nighttime. I think it looks cool. Nothing wrong with daytime third acts either. I'm just saying I like nighttime ones in these types of movies. But yeah, what I'm getting at is that I've enjoyed most Ninja Turtles media up to this point in time. And then I saw the trailer for this new Ninja Turtles movie, Mutant Mayhem, which is produced by Seth Rogen. And I'll say that I was curious. A lot of people were obsessed with it the second the teaser dropped where they said, oh, this is about to be a banger. Seth Rogen's attach is automatically going to be good because all of his comic book stuff thus far has been very good. And they were obsessed with the animation style. And I'm going to be honest, when I first saw the teaser, I said, I don't really know if this animation is for me because it felt not like Spider-Verse, but kind of like it was trying to do something similar to what Spider-Verse did by having a really unique animation that almost looked like you were ripping it out of a comic book or graphic novel, but that's not quite 
what it looks like. It looks almost like a sketch, but not 100% like a sketch. So I thought the animation looked interesting, but I wasn't immediately won over by it because some of it, I said, this looks a little bit jarring and ugly. I don't really love the look of it. But anyway, it got closer and closer to its release. And then sure enough, it got great reviews. And so I said, okay, that doesn't really mean much to me because a lot of people had their minds made up about this movie long before it came out. I mean, it's the Ninja Turtles movie after the Michael Bay Ninja Turtles movie. So automatically they were going to pretend that it was really good, even if it wasn't really good, because that's happened with every other franchise that Michael Bay has more or less walked away from. Bad Boys 3, they pretended was the only good Bad Boys movie. It's the worst one. Bumblebee, they pretended was the best Transformers movie. I don't want to say it's the worst one, but it was not that good. And even though he never directed the Ninja Turtles movies, you could look at a lot of negative reviews towards them and you would see Michael Bay's name in at least half of those negative reviews. So whether they were really his baby or not, people would attribute those movies to him. So because of that, I felt like this movie was automatically going to get better reviews because one, it's animated. Two, it's not Michael Bay. So I determined that no matter what people said about it, whether they praised it or hated it, which I expected praise and it got praise. I said, I got to see it for myself. I got to know for myself. And I told you guys beforehand that I have enjoyed every piece of Ninja Turtles media before this movie. And after watching this, I can say I still have enjoyed every piece of Ninja Turtles media. I enjoyed the movie a lot. I didn't want to give you the idea that I didn't like this movie, but I just wanted to say that I went in with the expectation to maybe not like it like everyone else did. And I walked out still very much liking the movie. I have a few minor gripes that I'll probably talk about at some point in this, but largely I was impressed with this film. One thing that stood out to me right away was, yes, the animation. The animation is kind of cool. I do have the complaint that some stuff looks weird or ugly for no reason whatsoever. And by that I mean they'll just randomly have certain character designs look so funny. Like there'll be a human character who's reporting the news and their face is just so oddly shaped. And I'll say, why does everyone else look normal, but this person has the most cartoonish shaped head that I've ever seen? It's shaped like an exotic fruit. It just doesn't make sense to me. Like, why is this guy's head shaped like a banana? I don't get it. Because everything else looks more or less normal, why does this head look like a potato? So I don't know, the head shapes just threw me off from time to time because everyone would look so normal in animation and more or less like the average person either in real life or in an animated film. But then there would be a character that would randomly just have the most oddly shaped head or body that you've ever seen. And you might say, oh, Caleb, what about Kingpin in Into the Spider-Verse who has a head that is completely disproportionate from his body and it's extremely cartoonish? Yeah, What I would say about that is that he's always had a cartoonishly odd body in the comics, and they just translated that to the big screen in that way. Also, he's a main character, so I'm fine with his design being a little more exaggerated. I just don't get it when it's characters that really have nothing to do with the plot randomly have just oddly shaped bodies or heads. And it's only a select few, but it's enough where I kept saying, why does their head look like that? Or why is their mouth move like that? So I appreciate the uniqueness that the animation brought, but that is one of my small complaints about it. I didn't love that. But the actual action and stuff looks pretty cool with that style. So I appreciated that. Also, the score for this movie, 
was done by Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor, who have scored a ton of David Fincher's movies. Social Network is one of the most notable ones for me, where their score is the most memorable, but they are very good composers. And immediately in this movie, I noticed the original score. I thought, wow, this is a really cool sound that this movie has. I like this score. And then the score kind of goes away and the movie leans more into soundtrack for a majority of it after that point. But early on, the score was very good. And the score pops up here and there throughout the movie and it's good, but there's a lot of soundtrack in this movie as well. And speaking of the soundtrack, this movie has a really good soundtrack. So I'll just read through some of the people that feature on this soundtrack. So Yes, there is a homage to the Vanilla Ice Ninja Rap song from Secret of the Ooze. But you've also got a song by Gucci Mane, Bruno Mars, Kodak Black. You got Can I Kick It from a tribe called Quest. You've got Party Up by DMX. You've got Woo Ha by Busta Rhymes. Sweet Premium Wine by KMD and MF Doom. And a bunch of other catchy tracks throughout the movie. And honestly, I thought the soundtrack complemented it really well. The director had talked about the soundtrack where he said, yeah, it's kind of a random assortment of songs, but he compared it to something you would hear playing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, where it would be a bunch of random songs that just kind of worked. And I would say that's pretty accurate. I thought the soundtrack was really good for this movie, where I wasn't upset that it went away from the original score, although the original score is very good. And something about this movie, I guess, that's different from some of the other films is that the Ninja Turtles are actual teenagers in this movie, which makes sense because it's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, so they should be teenagers. And thus far, if they were supposed to be teenagers, they never seemed like it. In the 90s, they seemed like young adult men. And then in the animated TMNT movie in the 2000s, again, they maybe felt younger, or at least Michelangelo felt younger, but large in part, they felt like men. And they would be voiced by men too, like Chris Evans voiced Leonardo in that 2007 movie. And then the Bay movies, they're so freaking big that it's just hard to believe that they're teenagers, so you just assume that they are grown turtles, basically. So they never seem like teenagers. But in this movie, they're quite clearly teenagers. And I'm glad that they didn't go too far with it because Seth Rogen tends to have some pretty immature humor and he's directed teenagers in his movies and had some really crude stuff. And this is thankfully a PG movie, although there's quite a bit of suggestive stuff in the movie. I never felt that it went too deep into anything where you'd have to cover your kids ears. There might just be a few things that sound a bit funny if you're an adult, but No kid is going to go home repeating anything inappropriate that he heard in this movie, I don't think. And so it was cool to see them actually as teenagers and behave more or less like teenagers. I thought they were pretty funny together. And largely the movie itself is pretty funny. I never found myself laughing out loud, but there was always a joke every few minutes that got a good chuckle out of me. There are a couple moments, I would say, of gross-out humor, which I don't care for gross-out humor pretty much ever. Unless it's the Waynes Brothers doing it in Scary Movie 2, I just typically don't care for it. And that would be the case in this movie. There's some gross out humor that, yeah, I just didn't like it. Wasn't funny to me, just grossed me out. I said, yeah, I could have done without this. But speaking of the turtles acting like teenagers, they also kind of talk like teenagers, but there's stuff where I said, man, they had to have changed that in the last six months because they were using certain terms that I said, yeah, 
Nobody was saying this a year ago when you probably first did the voice acting work for this movie because they kept using the term Riz. And I was thinking Riz didn't pop up until, I don't know, six months ago. So they would have had to recently dub over certain lines where they were saying Riz maybe instead of game, which yeah, for those unfamiliar, Riz and game kind of mean the same thing. When they say, no, you have no Riz, they're saying that this guy's got no game with the ladies, basically. And so they use the term Riz quite a bit in this movie, or at least a handful of times, enough times where I said, yeah, I think they probably recorded it over these lines. They probably used a different word originally, and then Riz became a big thing, so they used it. I feel like it may not age well because I doubt anyone is using this term in, I don't know, a year. But for now, being in the theater, it worked. It was funny enough. Another thing I'll note is that the voice acting in this movie is pretty good. I was a fan of the voice actors for the Ninja Turtles. I felt like most of their voices fit their characters, and so that was good. I would also say the same for the voice of April O'Neil. She does a good job. So there's Brady Noon as Raphael, Nicholas Cantu as Leonardo, Shaman Brown Jr. as Michelangelo, and Micah Abbey as Donatello. And then you have Ayo Edabiri as April O'Neil. But yeah, I thought they were all good. Nobody really stood out where I said, oh, they were especially great. But, you know, they were solid as voice actors. They brought good personality and energy to each of their unique roles. But then some of the other characters in the movie I was a huge fan of. So first off, randomly, they got Giancarlo Esposito to voice Baxter Stockman for like two minutes. Literally just for the opening scene and nothing else. I remember hearing the voice and thinking, hey, that's Gus Fring. Because I've been watching Better Call Saul lately, re-watching it. And so I thought I knew that voice. But then you got Jackie Chan as Master Splinter, and he's good. Splinter can be pretty funny from time to time, too. And I'll probably talk a little bit more about Splinter in a minute. Ice Cube was Superfly, and Ice Cube was great. Ice Cube is always awesome, but it's especially nice to hear him in a voice acting role because he's got one of the most naturally aggressive voices on the planet. So it was great to hear him voice a big, tough villain in the movie. But the movie also had Hannibal Burris as Genghis Frog, Post Malone as Ray Filet, Paul Rudd was Mondo Gecko, which, yeah, I gotta say, Mondo Gecko was one of my favorite characters in this movie. Because it's called Mutant Mayhem, there are a ton of mutants. The Ninja Turtles are not the only mutants. Because a bunch of different mutants are created from this same ooze, and they're all different types of animals. And Superfly is the big bad of the mutants, voiced by Ice Cube. But he's got some other mutants with him, and one of those is Paul Rudd's Mondo Gecko, who I heard the voice and immediately said, this sounds exactly like Paul Rudd in Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Because Paul Rudd's got a pretty distinct voice, it's noticeable that it's Paul Rudd just based on the voice, but the actual character he was playing, it was like the Gecko version of his character from Forgetting Sarah Marshall, where he's an absolute scene stealer. He's so funny in that movie, but he's really funny in this movie as well. They also had Natasia Dimitrio as Wingnut and Rose Byrne as Leatherhead. I don't really remember those characters necessarily. I mean, I remember them, but I don't remember their voices, but I'm sure they were good. And then you had Seth Rogen and John Cena as Beep Bop and Rocksteady, which, yeah, I recognize Seth Rogen's voice and the other voice sounded so familiar. And then I saw the credits said John Cena. I went, oh, okay, that makes sense. Funny story about Beep Bop and Rocksteady is that I remember having dinner at somebody's house 
and I brought up the new Ninja Turtles movie, which this was the 2016 one out of the shadows, the one that had Beep Bop and Rocksteady. But I brought it up and the guy's like, I have no interest in Ninja Turtles. I went, oh, really? And so then I made it my life mission to talk this guy to death about Ninja Turtles because he was so annoyed at the idea that a grown man would ask another grown man about Ninja Turtles. So I spent the next hour talking about Ninja Turtles. Probably not an hour. It maybe felt like an hour because everyone was uncomfortable. I had my buddy there who kept nudging me, telling me to shut up because this guy was visibly annoyed and I just kept going because other people in the room thought it was hilarious. They were also uncomfortable, but they thought it was hilarious. But I just would not let this go because I mentioned the new Ninja Turtles and he goes, no, I'm not seeing the new Ninja Turtles. I thought, oh, have you seen the 1990 Ninja Turtles movie? And he's like, yeah, I saw it when I was younger. I was like, oh. Yeah, I like that one. I like Secret of the Ooze too. Remember the part with Vanilla Ice where he's rapping the ninja rap song? And he goes, no, I don't remember it. But, oh, well, Vanilla Ice is in the movie and I start telling him about Vanilla Ice's Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go song. And I said, yeah, then they got these two monsters in the movie, but they aren't Bebop and Rocksteady, but they're kind of knockoff versions of Bebop and Rocksteady, which may have made some people think that they were meant to be Bebop and Rocksteady. And he was just staring at me. He goes, yeah, I really don't care. And then it was kind of quiet. Then I said, yeah, this new one has Beat Bop and Rocksteady. <laughs> and I then just kept talking about Beat Bop and Rocksteady because he goes, I don't even know who those characters are, so I don't really care. I went, oh, well, it's simple. Beat Bop and Rocksteady. And I started talking about who they were in the animated series. And I said, you probably just don't know them from the 90s movies, but they're in this upcoming movie. And then I asked him if he had been down the toy aisle at Walmart as of late because I said, well, they got Bebop and Rocksteady action figures everywhere. You'd be able to see what they look like if you don't remember. And yeah, he just didn't seem too amused. But I probably went for the entire night just talking about Ninja Turtles only because this guy made me feel like a child for liking Ninja Turtles. And so I said, well, okay, if I'm a child, then get ready to babysit me for the next hour. <laughs> Because I'm talking about Ninja Turtles. I'm excited for this movie. And I'm going to tell you all about Bebop and Rocksteady. So anyway, there's no point to that story other than the fact that I'm just a pain in everyone's ass, apparently, for no reason. But anytime I think of Bebop and Rocksteady, I remember me explaining to this guy for 10, 15 minutes who Bebop and Rocksteady were. And I'll never forget the look on his face when I asked him if he had seen the action figures of them when he went down the toy aisle at Walmart. <laughs> because asking a grown man with children about my age if he had seen the Bebop and Rocksteady action figures was just kind of a funny thing. Anyway, outside of those voice actors, they also got Maya Rudolph, who voices Cynthia Ultram, who I think will be a bigger player in these movies going forward. Because yeah, for sure, they're making more of these. I think this movie is going to be received well, I don't know what the budget is, but I'm anticipating it does okay enough at the box office where they're able to greenlight sequels because this movie absolutely sets up for more. I mean, the second it started and I knew who the villain was, I thought, okay, surely they're going to show this villain in the post credit scene. And so the credits started rolling and I said, I'm just going to wait because I just know they're going to show a post credit scene with this villain. And yeah, I was right. <laughs> of course. Why wouldn't I be? Nothing wrong with that either. It's just, hey, you know what? You're doing someone other than the main Ninja Turtles villains for the first movie. 
that means you're setting up to do the big villain for the next movie. It's like, you know, you do a Batman movie when Christopher Nolan did Batman Begins and he had Ra's al Ghul as the villain. And that worked. That was good. But it was like, okay, we got Ra's al Ghul as the villain. Now we need to tease at Joker for the next movie. And because Christopher Nolan is a real filmmaker who doesn't do post credit scenes, he just had it end with the tease where Commissioner Gordon tells Batman about a lead that he has. And he says, the guy leaves a calling card and he hands him it. Batman flips it over and sees the Joker card and says, I'll look into it. And then flies off like a hero at the end of the movie. So I get it. And even the Batman at the very end had a very odd scene teasing Joker, but I don't even know if Joker is going to be the villain in the next movie or not. I think they're just teasing that Joker is going to be a player in future movies, which I don't want to talk about Matt Reeves Joker. I'm just going to say I wasn't a fan of the little I saw of him in the Batman to be completely blunt. But one of the last things I want to talk about this movie is the action. Because I mentioned the animation. It made for some stuff to look pretty cool. And it was unique. It makes it stand out. I thought the score was good. I liked the soundtrack. I thought the voice acting was solid. And that it was decently funny. Overall, it's an okay story. And the action was pretty good. I liked it. There's a specific scene of the Ninja Turtles tracking down leads to try and figure out who's working for Superfly or where they can find Superfly. And each Ninja Turtle gets their moment to shine in that scene. And so, yeah, I thought that scene was pretty cool. And then there's a scene late in the movie for Master Splinter, probably a late second act, where he has a big action scene. And that scene was pretty awesome, too. So as somebody who's just a huge fan of the Ninja Turtles, I enjoyed this movie. I think it's a well-made movie. And overall, yeah, I'd say there were some talented people that worked on this movie, and they all were able to bring something unique to not just these characters, but to the genre. Because these are comic book characters, and these types of stories have been told a million times at this point, especially in the past decade. So being able to tell a more unique story and do it in a more unique style is something I have to appreciate. So yeah, I would say that I liked this movie. It's not in my top 10 movies of the year, but it was definitely a good time. And I think kids are really going to like this film as well. But if you're an adult who has a kid that wants to see it, I think it's fun enough where even if you're a non-Ninja Turtles fan, you'd be able to appreciate the movie enough. Me, as a huge Ninja Turtles fan, I obviously enjoyed this movie quite a bit. And like I said, I've enjoyed just about all these Ninja Turtles films thus far. And this one was no exception. I'm glad to report. But anyway, that is all I have to talk about today. The next time you hear from me, I'll be talking about one of maybe two movies because there are two that I have an opportunity to see this week and really I'm just going to flip a coin and see one of them and talk about it. And then the next one I'll probably save for the episode after. So stay tuned for that. If you are not already, then please give this podcast a follow on whatever you are listening on right now. And also give me a follow on Instagram. You can find me under the username at vitamin C pod. If you want updates on movies and on this podcast. So that's a wrap for today. Thanks for tuning in. You guys will hear from me later this week.